Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. I love the church. I love the church because of who we are. We are salt. We are light. We are the assembled of called out ones who represent Jesus Christ. We are the body and bride of Christ, the family and flock of God. I love the church. I love the church because of what we do. We gather together to worship our God for his honor and his glory. We gather together to work and serve our God because that is growth in our lives. We gather together for witness as we live out the wonder of the gospel. And we gather together so that we might display the gifts that God has given to us. In wholeness as a body of Christ. I love the church. Because together we demonstrate the wonder of our God as we gather together and celebrate God things in our lives. As we sing and study and serve. As we're good stewards of what God has given to us and as we surrender to his purpose in our lives. I love the church because it's a gathering of relationships and the revelation of truth for the honor and glory of our God. As we turn to the book of Hebrews this morning, I'm reminded that the writer is talking to a gathering of Jewish Christians. They're trying to figure out how to live out Jesus Christ in their lives. They're moving from Old Testament law to New Testament grace. They're moving from ceremony to Christ, from a ritual to a relationship, and they are trying to be the people of God. The writer begins in chapter 1 by saying that in these last days, we're no longer spoken to by the prophets of the Old Testament, but we're spoken to by the living word, Jesus Christ himself. And he is the one who makes all of the difference in our lives. Now, if we were to look at Hebrews chapter 13, we would be reminded that the writer tells his readers to remember those who are in prison. Remember those who are under great pressure and encouraging them to be authentic believers. In our text this morning, there is a note that is very important to us as we seek to live out Christ. It's found in verse 25, and it's the only place that this is discovered in Scripture. Verse 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now I ask myself, why is this particular admonition given to us here in the book of Hebrews? Perhaps it's because people just took it for granted that they were to gather together and share in each other's lives. You know, that's a natural thing to do. It really is to, to be able to group ourselves together under the authority of, of Jesus Christ and to recognize his supremacy in our lives. 
maybe the writer puts it here because they are moving from law to grace, from, from freedom to freedom in, in their lives and in their, in their worship. And, it, and it's no longer about checking the boxes of the Old Testament, but it's gathering together in the worship of God. Maybe he's reminding his readers that they need to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ because their relationship with Christ is more than just a religion. It, it's, it's more than just an identity of a place of, of worship. It's all about a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. I want to read this entire passage of Scripture. I want to have it read, actually, as our life group reads it for you. Follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, beginning with verse 19, and they will read through verse 25, please. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews 10, 19-25. 25 weeks ago, when I was planning this series of messages, I had no idea that we would meet like this today. I remember very clearly talking to a friend of mine early on in the COVID-19 and our governor's stay home, stay safe shutdown. And I said to him, Bob, I, I'm really praying that by April, the governor would give us the freedom to, to regather together and share in each other's lives. I reminded my friend Bob of that conversation not too long ago. And his question to me was, well, Tom, how'd that work out for you? And the reality is God had other plans. God still had some things to teach us so that we might understand that we are to be the church, not just do church. And I believe with all my heart that that is one of the primary lessons that we need to, le to, to learn through COVID-19. We have done some gathering together. We've met on Facebook, YouTube, we've met through video in a virtual setting. Our life groups, our, our family gatherings, Bible studies, activities, our students and saints have, have all gathered together, although separately, to bring honor and glory to our God. We've had a number of memorial services where people have, have met to praise God for the impact that those who are now in heaven have left on, on our lives. We've celebrated God's work of love. 
and our leadership has been meeting together and been praying and planning and, and preparing for, for the future of Calvary Baptist Church. We have been gathering together. I asked our, our life groups and, and others to take some pictures of, of group gatherings. And I, and I hope this is an encouragement to you this morning. I hope as, as you see these faces and, I, and identify these individuals that it, that it just brings us closer together. I love the church because gathering together as the people of God is such a wonderful experience that we have in, in Christ. Take a look, will you? That's Pastor John, by the way, in the middle of, of that mosh. One of these folks wanted to be anonymous, but we will reveal it. Student ministry, life groups, gathering together for, for celebration, gathering on our church property, and gathering in homes, gathering on porches and around Lake Claudia, gathering to, to celebrate special events. And last Sunday evening, we had a great time of, of sharing together. As we worshiped our God, bonded in each other's lives, and encouraged one another. I hope this encourages you. Because even though we are not gathering at 1625 Capitol Avenue, we are gathering together. And we're not forsaking what God is doing in our lives as we recognize the wonder of our God. Verse 19 begins with an interesting word. That word is therefore. And anytime there's a therefore, we need to see what it's there for. And the writer has given to us the foundation for the relationship we have together in Christ. In verse 18, we read that we, are, we have the forgiveness of sins because there's no longer an offering for sins. Therefore, look back at verse 12, will you please? But when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins... He sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, and the writer goes on to say, Therefore, brothers, sisters, body of Christ, since we have confidence, verse 19, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, this is the therefore. This is what God has done in our lives. We have confidence that we can go directly to God. We have confidence that no matter where we are, we're gathered together under the authority of our God. We have confidence that where two or three are gathered together, he's in the midst of us. Think about that this morning, will you please? I love the church. Because we're gathered together and Jesus Christ offered one sacrifice that brings us together under his authority. And the writer 
who is writing to Jewish believers, identifies the curtain. The curtain in the temple separated the, the holy and the holy of holies place. And it was only into the holy of holies that the priests could go. In Matthew chapter 27, we discover that when Christ died, the veil, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now that was no small feat. The curtain itself was some 40 to 60 feet tall, and it was four inches thick. And yet the sacrifice of, of Christ allows us access into his presence. Now I very quickly want to remind you of the temple. In the temple, there was a segregation that took place. You see here, clear on the right, the court of the women, and that was the only place that women could go in the temple. They were segregated from worship. The outside was the court of the Gentiles, and Gentiles were not allowed to, to enter at all into this place of worship. The inner court has a place for the male Israelites to go, and then the place for the priests, and then into the sanctuary. It was a segregated place of worship. But now we have freedom together, and we have open together. We have the opportunity to share in each other's lives. Therefore, Christ died for our sins and offered sacrifices that we might share. Now this morning, I want to help you focus on three ways that we can gather together. And the writer gives us these ways, and he identifies them with two words, let us. So I want you to mark those in your Bible so that you can identify then how we are to gather together. Verse 22 let us, verse 23, let us, verse 24, and let us. Verse 22, and let us draw near. You and I who know Jesus Christ, his personal Savior, who have been redeemed, who are part of the family of God, have a privilege that no one else has. They didn't have it in the Old Testament. Because, as I said, they were segregated in their worship. But you and I have the privilege of drawing near to God. And the writer says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, that Jesus Christ gives to us boldness and confidence as we gather together. We could go back to Hebrews chapter 4 where the writer says that we have confidence to, to draw near to the throne of God because we've received mercy and grace. And so let us draw near to God. Wherever you are today, I trust that you are drawing near to God. And I trust that that is not just a Sunday activity in your life. Because our relationship with Jesus Christ is not about a religion. It's not about ritual. It's about the wonder of being born again into the family. 
It's about being the church, the body of Christ. So let us draw near. Now the writer here tells us that there are a couple of requirements that we have. And so we must recognize, first of all, our part in drawing near. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. We need to have the the right attitude as we go into the presence of our God, as we worship our God, as we draw near to our God. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 4, to the women at the well, God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. As we draw near to God, we must draw near with a true heart, recognizing that our sole purpose is to bring honor and glory to God and to worship him. You see, our gathering is is not about us. That's why we can gather any place we are and where he is in the midst of us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ, the completed sacrifice who died for our sins. There's an old hymn that goes like this. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, not of this world's delusive dream, I have renounced all sin and pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Nothing between like worldly pleasure. Habits of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all. There's nothing between. As we worship our God, Let us draw near with hearts that are full of assurance of who he is. But not only do we draw near with true assurance, we also draw near with full assurance of of faith. A life of faith that is evidenced in living out the wonder of Christ in our lives. A, A life of trusting him and depending upon him, and recognizing him in our lives. In the Utley New Commentary, we read this. Biblical assurance was never meant to be turned into a doctrine to be affirmed, but a life to be lived. For those who claim to know Christ, but live apathetic, indifferent, worldly, self-centered, unfruitful, non-productive, godless lives, there is no assurance. I've discovered that the more I trust God, the more confidence I have to trust God. Many times, even during this COVID-19 crisis, my my mind has gone to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a verse Verses that you know very well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Confidence in God. Full assurance of faith. And lean not unto your own understanding. There are so many things that I just don't get. Especially during this time. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And I have discovered the wonder of God directing my paths because I have full assurance that he's going to do just that, even when I don't understand what he's trying to accomplish in my life. I hope that encourages you today. And that is our part, to draw near to God with a true heart and draw near to God with full assurance of faith. But the writer goes on to remind us of God's completed act in our lives. Notice with me, please. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. What has God done? God has done a work in our lives and made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. We're told to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But God has accomplished his work in our lives. Working to challenge us and change us and conform us to, to Jesus Christ. Working all things together for our good and, and his glory. Promising that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens our need. And that our God will supply all of our need. That's what God does. And God has made our hearts clean. If it weren't for God's work in my life and in your life, we would have no opportunity to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And so we draw near. Because God has made our hearts clean. But then the writer identifies this. With our bodies washed of pure water. Now I remind you in the Old Testament at the, at the temple, there was a, a laver, and it was a place of cleansing for the priests. And it was there that the, the priests sanctified themselves and set them apart so that they could go and, and worship God. Now the writer of Hebrews here is not talking about water as the mechanism, but is using it as a metaphor. To remind us of that which took place in the Old Testament and to help us recognize that God through his spirit is doing that in his children. In Ephesians chapter 5, we are told that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And we are told that he wants to sanctify it and cleanse it by the washing of the water, by the word. Titus chapter 3, we're told, not by righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And then he says this, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Why? Because this is what God has accomplished in our lives and we need to live it out through our lives. And as we gather together, we celebrate that. Let's draw near to God and every time we get together, let us understand that we are to get together with true hearts. Full assurance of faith. Why? Because of what God has done in our lives. Let us 
draw near to our God. Let's go on. Verse 23. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. First of all, we draw near to God. Secondly, we confess the wonder of our God. And we stay true to our God without reservation. We won't take the time, but we could look through the book of Hebrews where the author admonishes his readers about some dangers. In Hebrews chapter 2, the writer tells his readers that it's easy to drift away from God. In chapter 3, he reminds them that it's easy to deny our salvation. Chapter 5, he says it's easy to downplay our growth. And in in chapter 10, it's, it's easy to discourage one another. And in chapter 12, it's very easy to disparage God's grace in our lives. You see, we need to hold fast the confession of our hope. What is the confession of our hope? It's the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and and rose again according to the scriptures. It's the truth that whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we do all to the glory of God. It's the truth that all scripture is given to us by inspiration of God and is profitable. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Why? That, That we may be complete, truly furnished unto all good work. It's the truth of the gospel as we go into all the world and preach the wonder of God's work in our lives. It's the truth that we are his children and he is our heavenly father and as his children we are to be obedient because he's called us to be holy. We need to hold fast the confession of our faith. You know, it's really easy to, to get lazy. One of the things I, I miss about gathering together in one place is, is we concentrate on what God is doing in our lives. Back when we were taping CBC live, uh, Connie and I would sit at home Sunday mornings and go to the website and and turn on 11 o'clock and I I was amazed at how we kind of talked through the service. Most Sunday mornings I don't hear a lot of that when we're gathered in one place. Some of you have have told me how convenient it is to, to come to the service and how relaxing it is. Well that's okay there's nothing wrong with that at at all. But let's not lose the reason that we gather together, and that's to focus on our God, not to be comfortable in his presence. And that's why we have to hold fast the confession of our faith. And the writer says, don't waver from that. Don't leave that. 
Don't get distracted from that. You know, there is so much to distract us today. I, I feel sometimes like I'm in a tug of war. And I'm in the middle holding the ropes. People are pulling me this way and people are pulling me that way. And, I, and I'm just holding on and I don't know even where to go while I'm holding on. Maybe you feel that way too. I mean, that's, that's what this COVID-19 has done to us. But do not allow what's going on in our culture to distract us from the confession of our faith because we must hold on to it without wavering. No matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our lives. Why? For he who promised is faithful. <laughs> Think about that. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He promised to meet all of our needs according to the riches we have in, in Jesus Christ. He promised to answer our prayer. And he's promised to come back and take us home. And so as we hold fast to that confession of our faith without wavering, we do it because he promised he'd take care of us. Even in the midst of COVID-19, I think about those who are part of the persecuted church and who meet under real penalty. Understanding that there is a price to pay for holding fast to their confession of hope. But do you know how they're able to do that? God has given to them the same promises that God has given to us. And God doesn't change. No matter what our culture, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what the cry from the world, God does not change. And he is faithful. Read that with me, will you please? God is faithful. One more time. God is faithful. Underline that in your lives. Our God is faithful. One more, please. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir, stir up one another to love and good works. You see, during these days, we have to take the initiative to minister to people. We, we have to be conscious that part of our responsibility is to encourage folks and, and build them up and help them in their Christian life. Well, we need to be making those calls. We need to be sending those cards. We need to be texting one another and emailing one another and connecting in a positive way on Facebook. That, let us consider how to, to stir one another up and strengthen one another and encourage one another. Because if you're like I am, there are times in your life when you get down, you just need somebody to come alongside of you. There are times, there are days in my life, I don't have a clue what's going on. You might want to ask Brenda about that. And Connie Carey could have told you that before. 
Thursday was, was one of those times. I don't know what happened in my life, but I was emotionally shot. Throughout the day, I received notes and texts and encouragement from people that I had no reason to think that I would receive those things. And people ministered to me, and they didn't even know how they were ministering to me. And as we gather together separately, we need to be continually stirring up one another. And the writer tells us how to do that. We stir one another up to love. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. We need to stir one another up to good works. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And what a great opportunity we have at this time in our history to do good works for the glory of God. And if we were to continue into verse 25, we are to stir one another up to encourage one another. We need that, don't we? I need that. And we need to share together in what God has given to us to do, encouraging one another. Why? Because Jesus is coming again, and one day we will truly be united as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the family of God, the flock of God, and we will understand what worship is all about, what wonder is all about, what working for his glory is all about, what wholeness is all about. And that's going to be a great, great time. Listen to me, please, as, as I read for you out of Colossians chapter 3. There Paul writes, beginning with verse 12, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all, put on love. Love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love the church because it's a place of gathering. It's a place where we can share together. And I miss our corporate gathering together, but we're still gathering. Recently, someone said to me, 
you know, Pastor, I, I enjoy what you're doing on, on Sundays. I enjoy our CBC Live, but, but it's really just not cutting it for me. <laughs> I get that. So let me make three suggestions to you. When it's not cutting it for you, think about these three things. First of all, let me encourage you to make sure that you are drawing near to God. Draw near to God. Because don't make people, don't, do not make your relationship with God about people, places, or things. It's about God. Amen? Oh, we miss each other and we want to get back together. But it's all about God. It's not about people, places, or things. Number two, let us hold fast the confession of our, our faith. You see, in our lives, we tend to get distracted. But we can't get distracted. We must keep the main thing the main thing. Why? Because God's faithful. Amen? God is faithful. And let us consider. Consider how to stir up one another as we challenge each other to love and good works and intentionally encourage one another because Jesus is coming again. Oh, I can't wait. Jesus is coming again. But until then, we need to be intentional to encourage one another. As I said earlier, next week we are going to complete this study because we recognize that it's not about us. It's about God and what he is doing through his son, Jesus Christ. And I trust it's an encouragement to you where we read in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, COVID-19, <laughs> and the gates of hell, cultural unrest, and the gates of hell, Political distraction and the gates of hell will not prevail against my assembled ones, my church. And he will build it for his honor and for his glory.